it's a daily choice for us to um, for us to use words that don't fail. It's a daily choice for us to to use words that that matter because it can inevitably become a habit, uh, which then becomes a lifestyle. Because our words really do matter, whether spoken, whether texted, whether posted. What we say matters. How we say it matters. Uh, and we live in a world where words matter more than they ever have. As I've said, we're, we're living through the biggest communication shift in the last 500 years uh, in the way in which uh, we communicate, in the way in which words really do matter. And Scripture's teaching on the source of our words, the consequences of our words, the way in which we use our words for good or for God's glory, it's something that we all struggle with. It's something that we all need help at. It's something we can all get better at because we can use our words for good. We can use our words for God's glory. And what we say reflects who we are. And that's a hard truth to really look in the mirror and, and, and sit with. Our words matter. Sometimes, though, we look at our words and, and the things that we say and, and the way in which we use our words, especially when it comes to the kingdom of God, we maybe think that through a little bit differently and possibly from the wrong perspective. How many of you know who Steve Jobs was? I'm sure most people have heard of him and knew who he was. He was uh, the, the guy that invented the iPhone. This is a, a picture from the, the keynote presentation where he introduced the iPhone. Um, probably one of the, arguably, I'll, I'll say it that way, the best public speaker, presenter, salesman uh, of the last hundred years. He's a once-in-a-generation kind of genius, um, regardless of your opinion on him personally. Um, but the iPhone product launch in 2007 is widely considered to be the most successful product launch ever. He just had an amazing way of, of presenting something. I heard it said he could sell a ketchup popsicle to a lady in white gloves. Um, which is so true in, in many, many ways. Uh, in 1982, funny enough, Steve actually recruited a man named John Scully, who was the CEO of Pepsi, and recruited him to come and be the CEO of Apple because Steve really didn't want to be CEO anymore. That's a whole other thing. He was an eccentric kind of person. But, uh, so he recruited the guy from Pepsi, which is a pretty successful company. I think we've all heard of Pepsi right, to sway that guy to come over to Apple, who at the time was still probably considered a bit of an upstart. And here's what he said to him. He said, do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugar water, or do you want a chance to change the world? Whoa, right? And it worked. <laughs> Steve was able to create what they called uh, the Apple reality distortion field. And we've all probably been, you know, victims to that in many ways, um, but he really was a gifted speaker, a gifted communicator, and he used it to change the world with the technology that, that he and his company developed. Why am I sharing that? Because I think a lot of times when we approach sharing the gospel to people or we look at our perspective on sharing the gospel and conversations that we're having with people, I think too often we try to put ourselves here and we feel like we've got to be here, that we've got to be like a Steve Jobs kind of person, um, somebody that is uh, selling something to get it, quote, right. And there's two problems with that. Number one, we're not selling anything. 
as, as the body of Christ, as the kingdom of God, we're not selling anything. We're sharing a gift. We're sharing the, the free gift of eternal life from God. So we're not selling anything. So to put it in that perspective is, is definitely the wrong way to look at it. And number two, it's, it's not your shtick or your power anyway that, that does anything. It's the power of God. So take the pressure off of yourself. You're like, well, wait a minute, Jay. I thought words mattered. I thought we were talking about how words matter. So how's the pressure not on me to have all the right words to say and to say it the right way and all of those things? Isn't that what we've been talking about? Yeah, in a lot of ways it has, absolutely. And our words do matter in, in so many ways, but all of what we've talked about and all of what we're gonna talk about today really culminates in our words actually being his words and our words being used for eternity. And when we put it through that filter, when we put it through that vein, we see that what we say does reflect who we are and so that does matter to work on who we are as a person, who we are as a follower of Christ. And so we do, we need to control our words because that helps us to work on who we are as a follower of Christ and to grow closer to him. And if our words fail, then we are not filled with Christ then our heart and mind is not filled with Christ. And speaking the truth of the gospel becomes much more difficult. So maybe you're seeing how this is all coming together. If you have your Bibles, turn uh, to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Or you can follow along uh, on the Bible app if you have that. You can go to events, find Connect Church in Akron, Ohio. Uh, and you'll see the notes there. You can follow along with me. But we're going to be in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. And we're really just going to look at, at a few verses today. Um, so while you're getting there, uh, let me just tell you a little bit about what's happening here as Paul's writing this letter. The church in Corinth, uh, the city there, was divided in many ways um, and defiled in many ways and uh, just kind of full of just uh, debauchery, if you want to use that word. It's kind of a big word there. But within the church, there was a lot of confusion there was a lot of confusion in the church, a lot of conflicting beliefs in the church. And so Paul really felt like, okay, I've got to sure up some things here. And so I've got to write to them to kind of give some like, a, you know, a North Star in some of these specific areas. And he really simplifies some, some things because we are really good at overcomplicating, well, everything as humans, right? We just overcomplicate everything. The older we get, the, quote, smarter we get, the more we overcomplicate stuff. And the gospel is so much that as well. And we're going to see that here. But you can imagine the weight that Paul felt, okay? You know, you're going into this city. You're, you're starting the church in Corinth. And, and he's probably feeling a lot of weight of, man, I got to make sure I say the right stuff. I got to make sure I write this the right way. Um, what if I mess this up? How do I convince these people that the lifestyle that they're living and the things that they're doing is, is sending them for really far away from God's best for their life? Paul knew his words mattered. He knew that his choice of words and all of that mattered, but not in the way that you might think. So I want to read verses one through five in their entirety, and then I want to break it down because I want you to see Paul's entire perspective on all of this. And I think that you'll really um, find it surprising and you'll also find it relatable as well. So let's read this. Uh, 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. It says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. A few quick takeaways from this here, and then we're going to go back through it. Paul was not super confident. This was not a guy who was like the picture of confidence. He was scared too. If, if I were to just grab a random person in here and say, let's go and share your faith with somebody and, and, and preach the gospel to somebody right now, boom. Be like, oh, you know, some of us would kind of freak out about that a little bit. And rightfully so. He was scared about that. But he kept it simple. He, you know, he even, he even says there, you know, how he's talking about not, not with persuasive words and, and all of those things. He's, he's talking about keeping it simple because it's not about his power. It's about God's power. It's about God's power through him. So let's dissect it here, and I want to go through it and give you a little bit more context as we look at some of these verses. So let's go back, and let's just look at the first two verses for a second. It says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So he's ministering in, in Corinth here for more than a year and a half. A little more background on this. He, he's hanging out for about a year and a half, and he's actually supporting himself uh, by tent making. He kind of takes up a little bit of a job, and he's, he's making tents, and he's selling tents. That's how he's making ends meet. But he was not there to sell tents. He was not there to sell tents. He was there to share the good news. He was not really there to sell something. While he was selling tents, he was not selling, quote, the good news of Jesus. He was, he was there to give and share the good news with a city that needed it. And as I think about our city, and I think about where we're planted, we are in a city that needs it. And too often we write ourselves off because we think we aren't smart enough we think we aren't eloquent enough, that we don't have the shtick down good enough to share the good news of Jesus. And, and while it's true that we do need to know why we believe what we believe so that we can share it, it doesn't mean that you have to be a theologian. It doesn't mean that you have to be the best salesman to walk the earth to share the good news of Jesus with people. We had a training yesterday here um, where we had uh, about 35 or 40 people and we did training on evangelism and on how to share the gospel to give us a framework on how to do that. Because while, yes, it is the power of the Holy Spirit, we still need to be prepared and we still need to understand exactly what it is that we're sharing. But it was really to give us a framework to take into conversations with others not to learn a sales tactic. And we ended up uh, having 
prayer conversations with probably 20 people, something along those lines. We were handing out uh, flyers for the Easter basket uh, giveaway that's coming up as well. Um, really gave out probably almost 200 of those things. So a lot of people got you know, we're, we're touched, if you will, through this. From a, if you want to look at a marketing perspective, they say it takes seven touches for someone to actually take a next step. And so there were a lot of uh, opportunities to, to reach and talk to people um, yesterday and to have good conversations. And it had a, a framework underneath of it to help us, but it wasn't to teach us how to be salesmen of the gospel. It was to give us a framework to share the free gift of eternal life and what God has done in our life. Here's the deal. We are ambassadors, not salesmen. We are ambassadors. We are representatives of Jesus Christ. We, we represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So our words do matter in that regard. They absolutely do, but we are called to be witnesses, not philosophers, and certainly not salesmen, and the battle belongs to him right? Here's something interesting too. Do you know how many people live in Akron, Ohio? On, on average, statistically speaking, about 200,000. We'll use whole numbers here for a minute. About 200,000. In Summit County, it's about 500,000. Now, statistically speaking, 80 to 90 percent do not have a relationship with Jesus. 80 to 90 percent Okay, quick math. Let's go even conservative math here. 180,000 people are far from God. That's a lot. That's just in Akron, okay? Whose responsibility is it to share the good news and the gospel with them? Us. Yeah, I saw a few hands up. Absolutely. We need to own that, right? We need to own that. And, and that, that number should really make you take a hard look at some things. Because we aren't saved to keep it to ourselves. We need to share it with people around us. But we, we look at ourselves as a salesman and don't think that we've got the tactic down and or we don't even have maybe a full understanding so that we can be an ambassador and not a salesman to people. Because we think that maybe people need to, quote, buy this product exactly as it is. And that's never the way Jesus presented it. And it's never the way that Paul presented it. And, you know, you can tell when someone's being disingenuous. You can tell when somebody's trying to be a slick salesman to you. Um, you really can. And we can unintentionally come off that way. We can unintentionally come off as salesmen when we get away from the simplicity of the gospel. And this is what Paul was afraid of. This is what Paul was afraid of within himself. And this is also what he saw was the problem in the church in Corinth is that they were adding way too many things and making too many things that are uh, preferences and turning them into non-negotiables. That ended up becoming a problem. And so he's like, let's keep it simple. Let's keep it simple in the simplicity of the gospel. And so what do I mean by that? Well, Paul actually says it a couple of times in this chapter, <clears throat> and he says it right here. He says, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he, and he leaves it at that. He doesn't go on this long theological spiel of all of these different things. He says, Jesus Christ and him crucified. This church needed reminded of the real 
power of the gospel and it is in the finished work of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made for you and for me on the cross that we are going to celebrate in a couple of weeks. As, in all honesty, we should celebrate every single day and, and every single Sunday as well as we come together. But as we celebrate the resurrection and what he did for us, because we can't just leave him in the tomb, right? We can't leave him on the cross. Let's not leave him there. He's not still there and he's not still in the tomb. He is alive and well, and he is coming back to get us sooner rather than later if we're watching what's happening in this world. And that's a whole separate thing. But when you wrap the power of the cross for a world that is getting more and more hopeless as each minute ticks by and as each thing happens in this world is getting more and more hopeless and the hope of this world is in Jesus Christ, is in the power of Jesus and he's choosing to use the church to take the hope of the world and the church is not the building, it's the people, it is us. He is choosing to use us as that vehicle to share that with the world. We have the hope that everybody is looking for. And statistically speaking, let's be honest, church, we're blowing it. We're blowing it. And it's because we try to make it way more than really what it is. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified and it is simply, simply that. And when you can wrap the power of that Listen, when you can wrap the power of that into your personal before and after story, there is nothing more powerful. So don't sell yourself short because it's not you. It's the power of God through you and through what he's done in your story. If you have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, if you have a relationship with, with Jesus, you have a before and you have an after story. It may not be some huge eloquent story it may not be all flowery and all of that, but you know what? God can use it, and God will use it if we are looking to use it, if we are looking to use our words in a way that matter, that tie in the, the power of the, of the cross of Christ with our story, he will use it. There is nothing, nothing more powerful. And don't sell yourself short. Don't sell the cross short in thinking otherwise. Let's keep reading. Verse three, three through four, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. This is Paul. This is super Christian. This is the guy that like start, like we wouldn't be here if it was for Paul. And he's like, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. With a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Listen, Paul was not the picture of self-confidence especially at this time. This was a, a little earlier in his ministry. He was not the picture of self-confidence as he's walking into this. He was weak. He was afraid. He was not Steve Jobs. And you know what? The Lord didn't need him to be. And he doesn't need you to be either. He doesn't need you to be that. God just needed Paul to be obedient. And that is all he needs from you and me. Obedience matters. Obedience matters. His words may not have been impressive, and according to him, they weren't. They may not have been persuasive on a human level. And quite frankly, there's plenty of stories of Paul getting beaten and kicked out of places and beaten again and beaten again and shipwrecked and all kinds of different things that happened because he 
you know, his words weren't quite persuasive because there were a good amount of people that were converted and were brought to Jesus, absolutely, but there was a good amount of people that did not like the dude. He had a laundry list of people that didn't like him, but you know what? He kept being obedient. And without Paul using any of the, say, normal preaching or speaking tricks of the trade, because he just didn't use them at the time, people's hearts and minds and lives, they were changed. They were changed forever. And the truth of the gospel, it carries its own power. And Paul was happy to keep it that way. He was happy to keep it simple. He was happy to not make it about this or that. He was happy to keep it simple and keep it about Jesus and Jesus alone. He might have looked like a fool to some people and you might feel like you look like a fool to some people and you might to them. But let me ask you this, whose opinion matters most? God's or that person? For me, it's God's. God's opinion matters the most. We should care what other people think, and, and certainly, but not more than what God thinks. And if we're being obedient because our obedience matters, then you do what he tells you, and you let him worry about the results. You let him worry about the results. Let's read verse 5. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power but on God's power, not on your wisdom, not on that other person's wisdom, not on that person that you think is super smart and is this or that. No, 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 no. Our faith rests on God's power. And like Paul, we have to learn to glorify God with our words better rather than worrying about saying things that will impress people. About a year later, after he, uh, after he wrote this, he wrote another letter that you may have heard of to the church in Rome. It's called Romans. And he writes this letter and we see his growth in his bold. You can almost see it if you really, if you read it almost in order, you can see his growth from here to then the boldness in which he has grown into when he writes the book of Romans. And he says this in chapter one, verse 16 which in many ways you could summarize as the thesis of the entire book right here, where he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentiles. An easy way to translate that last sentence is to everybody, to all people. It is the power of God that brings salvation and he's not ashamed of it. He's like, I'm, I'm done with the tactics. I'm done thinking I'm not good enough. I'm done worrying about those kinds of things. I'm not ashamed. I'm gonna share the good news of Jesus. I'm gonna share the gospel because people's lives need changed. I don't care what anybody else thinks because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. It's not the power of me. He's like, it's not the power of Paul. Not at all. It's the power of God. So I'm just gonna be obedient. I'm gonna use I'm going to let my words be the words of God. I'm going to let my words be the, be the words of the Holy Spirit through me. And I'm going to basically pull the pin on the grenade and see what happens. You know, the, the word for power here, I've got it underlined because it, it comes, uh, the, the original language this was written in was not English. Uh, it was Greek. And that word, that original word is actually dunamis, which funny enough is where we get our word for dynamite. The word dynamite has its roots in this word. Think about the implications of that for us. 
right? Because the funny thing about dynamite, it doesn't matter who lights the fuse. Somebody lights the fuse, when that explodes, it changes things. <laughs> Wherever it is, it changes things. It changes the situation, it changes the circumstance. And you know what? Just like dynamite, the gospel, it doesn't matter who lights the fuse. It's going to explode, and that power is going to change hearts. It's going to change lives for eternity, as I'm sure it's done for many of you in here. And do you remember that moment when you were changed for eternity by the power of God that just exploded and changed everything for you? Some of us have maybe, I'll, I'll say it this way, some of us have been saved too long. Some of us have been saved too long, and we forget about the real power of God that changed our lives. Maybe we need to, to remember a little bit more. And it may not be everyone that is, that is changed by the gospel when, you know, that, that explosion happens and the power of God happens right there. And in fact, statistically speaking, it probably won't be. We saw that from Paul. But none of it is ever in vain. None of it is ever a waste. But if our words and our speech are focused on glorifying God, people will come to know the Lord because it's the Holy Spirit working through our words, not us. And when we focus on letting the Holy Spirit work through us, amazing things happen. Things are changed. And listen, there is a world that needs to hear the good news and they need to hear it from you. We need to own that 180,000 number in Akron a little bit more, a lot a bit more. We need to start doing some things and moving forward in that regards to not, not because it's, it's our power that's doing it, but because we're not maybe tapping into the Holy Spirit enough and allowing him to be used in each and every one of our lives enough. But it starts with the heart. It starts with your heart. It starts with mine. And from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And so it happens first with our words. Let me challenge you in this way. And let me ask you this question. Who are you praying for? If you're a follower of Jesus, there should be somebody in your circle that doesn't know Jesus, that you are praying for, that you're maybe actively looking for a conversation to be had. Who is that? Who, who's your one? J just one. I'll, I mean, I'll take it a little bit step further. We should probably have more like three at any given time. Have you ever really thought about it that way? Like from a strategy standpoint, who's the one person, maybe who's the two or three people that I'm praying for, that I'm actively working and praying for the Holy Spirit to give me an opportunity to share with them? You may not have anybody, anybody that's coming to mind right now, and it's okay. That's, honestly, that's typical, but it shouldn't be. I want to challenge you right now to, to think through that. Let me put it this way. Imagine the impact that could be made for the cause of Christ. Imagine the impact of all of us in this room, if every one of us here had one person that we prayed for and shared the gospel with. One, just one, over the next year. Let's, I mean, let's go super conservative numbers here. I hope it's way more than that.
But think about that. I mean, look around. And with those watching online, you combine that. Over the course of the day, three to 400 people have heard this challenge today. So what would that look like? Imagine that for a minute. Just one. That's an incredible thing. I want to challenge you in that way right now. Who are you committing to pray for right now? Because it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. And if you're praying for that divine appointment, if you're praying for God to give you that divine appointment, I promise you, it's going to show up. Be ready. And it might be awkward, and that's okay. But it's going to happen. It's going to show up. But if we're not actively seeking it, if we're not actively praying for it, because maybe we're Number one, it may not even be on our radar. Number two, we may be thinking that I'm, I, don't, I don't know all this. I, I don't know all the stuff that Jay knows. I don't know all the stuff that this person or that person, I don't know everything about the Bible. I don't even know if I could share that. Well, that, that's telling me two things. One, you need to rely on the Lord in those conversations. Two, do you really have a relationship with Jesus? Let me ask you that. It's really hard to share something that maybe you don't have a full understanding of I would even ask that really hard question do you really have a relationship with Jesus because what you say reflects who you are what you say reflects who you are and so we need to control our words and if we're using words that fail and are not filled with Christ then our heart and our mind is not filled with Christ and speaking the truth of the gospel becomes much more difficult and so here it is, if you, if you want to wrap it all up, everything that we've been talking about, everything that I'm talking about today, and everything that really all the verses in Scripture um, in regards to our mouth end up pointing to this idea, which is the connection point for the day. Because it all stems to this. Our words matter for eternity. That's the challenge, church. Our words matter for eternity. Because when someone hears of the good news of Jesus, that's, that starts with words. It starts there. It starts with words. But, but if, if we're not close to the Lord here, then what's reflected here may not, may not be able to be used to the fullest extent. Our words matter. They matter for eternity. There's nothing more important there's nothing. Maybe you've heard nothing but awful words when it comes to eternity. Maybe you're struggling with a, with a way to share that. Let me, let me share that with you right now, actually. Because I, I fail to believe that there may not be someone here or someone watching online that hasn't really heard the good news of Jesus shared with them. So let me intentionally share the gospel with you right now. We live in a broken world. And God didn't create us to live in a broken world. God created this world to be perfect and for us to be in perfect relationship with him. And for us to have a, just a, a perfect love and relationship with him. And unfortunately, we mess that up with our sin. Because our sin is what keeps us separated from God. And our sin can't be removed by doing good things. It can't be taken away by trying to do good things and trying to scrub ourselves clean. We'll never be able to do that. I'm sure you've tried. We've all tried different things to help us get removed from, from the brokenness of this world. But you know what ends up happening? We end up slingshotting right back into it because those things never totally 
satisfy, do they? That's the brokenness of this world. But Jesus, the King of Kings, he knew he loves us so much. He came to this earth as a man and he paid the price for you and for me. He died and he rose again because he loves you so much. And he did it for anyone and everyone. And everyone means everyone. Everyone doesn't mean everyone who qualifies in this, in this particular bucket or does this particular thing. Listen, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less. And by nothing, I mean nothing. He came for anyone and everyone. And let's not overcomplicate it because it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is the power to restore and redeem us because we can't do it on our own. And that life with Jesus, that starts now and it lasts forever. If maybe that's making sense to you for the first time, you may have heard it a thousand times. Maybe it makes sense for the first time right now. All you have to do is call out to him and put your trust in him and you'll be with him forever. It's really that simple. It's the power of Jesus and nothing else. Will you bow your heads with me for a second? And I want to do something a little bit different here. Because I, I do believe that the Holy Spirit's moving and that there may be some people in here that need to make a decision right now. And so I, I do, I really want to ask for everyone to close their eyes for just a minute because I'm going to ask you to do something a little vulnerable right now. I'm not going to ask anybody to come up or raise their hand or anything like that, but I want you to, to maybe do one thing for me. And this is just me, you, and God. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you just have some questions about that. You're even not sure. You may just need some prayer. Would you be willing to maybe take one little step of acknowledgement to God right now and just look me right in the eyes. If you're not sure where you're going to go, if you're not sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus, would you be willing to look me right in the eye? And it would be just me and you, I promise. There's no cameras facing the other way. This is just us for a minute. If you need to pray about that, if you want to talk about that, you have questions about that. I would love to pray with you. If you're watching online, and you're maybe feeling like I should look up, throw something in the comments. Send us a private personal message. I understand this is like the most vulnerable place you can be right now. But once you make eye contact with me, you can just look down and I, I promise I'll see it. I can see pretty good from up here. Heavenly Father, I love you so much and I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us. Lord, your words matter more than anything else. And so I'm just so grateful Father, for your word, and I'm thankful, God, for the clarity of your words, for the simplicity of the gospel, Lord, that, that, that redeems us, that gives us eternal life. And so, Jesus, I pray that your spirit would continue to move through this room for those watching online. God, if there's someone that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that they would make that decision today. Maybe they, they haven't looked up, but in their heart, maybe they have. I pray that they wouldn't leave this room 
that they wouldn't shut off the computer until they know for sure, until maybe they have that conversation, at least be able to ask some questions. God, I pray that all of us would, would pray for a, a, and, and look for a divine appointment. Lord, all of us have a sphere of influence. All of us have the ability and the opportunity to share the good news with someone around us. Lord, our words matter. And if our words are funneled through the Holy Spirit, God, it's your power through us. So Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would look for that divine appointment this week, that each and every one of us would take the challenge of who is the one or two or three people in my life that I'm praying for, that I'm looking for an opportunity to share Jesus with. Father, I pray that we could make a dent in that in, in our city, but Lord, it starts with one person at a time within our sphere of influence, God, and it can grow exponentially from there. Lord, we've seen you do it, and I know that you want to do it again. Father, use us to grow your kingdom. We love you in Jesus' name.